Good evening, my friends. This is Barry Cox, and grateful for an opportunity to share with you all again this evening. And we uh, are looking forward to just um, another good week, and pray your blessing on everyone. And uh, as we celebrate uh, Juneteenth and the, the freedom of all people, and the end of slavery and we are grateful for how God has worked in these ways and so <clears throat> as we are as we're sharing with you this evening we're um, we're going to study some of the foundational beliefs of the critical race theory now seven states in the United States have banned the use of critical race theory in their schools and in sometimes in corporate uh, settings as well. And another 16 states have a possible ban in progress through their legislatures. So what are the beliefs of critical race theory that would move the states to take these seemingly extreme measures? Well, critical race theory theorists believe that racism is not a character failure by individuals. Instead, they believe that white supremacy is the bedrock of the American way of life. They believe that race itself is not biologically natural, but is socially constructed. That means that they believe that race is not a natural reality, but it is created by white people so that they may oppress and exploit people of color. Therefore, since white supremacy has created a system whose sole purpose is oppression and exploitation, according to critical race theory, the only alternative is a revolution. Now, critical race theory has its roots in the critical theory in Marxism. And we've often referred to the critical theory in our discussions previously. And critical theory is rooted in Marxism, as we've mentioned before. And of course, Marxism famously advocated a worldwide revolution of the workers against the capitalists who had oppressed them. History, however, refuted Marxist theory. Workers in the West came to be treated better and better Therefore, the working class did not arise and lead the revolution. Also, history revealed that where Marxist revolutions actually did occur, people became more oppressed than ever. Vast millions lost their personal freedoms, and around 100 million people were murdered. The famous author of the Gulag Archipelago, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, wrote that between 1928 and 1953, some 40 to 50 million people served long sentences in the gulags. So, Marxist theory that a working-class revolution would lead to socialist utopias failed. So, this failure then led to the development of the critical theory. And so, over time, a socialist think tank called the Frankfurt School of Social Research, was formed. They deduced that the working class in the West would not lead a social revolution, a socialist revolution. So, 
as they develop, as they were thinking through things, they developed the critical theory. And they looked elsewhere than, than to the working class for people to lead the revolution. So as they thought these things through, it led them to the creation of identity politics. And identity politics was what would advance this socialist revolution. And, and identity politics identified society's oppressors, instead of it being the owners, capitalist owners, society's oppressors were white, male, heterosexual Christians. And they identified the oppressed to be women, blacks, lesbians, gays, and transgenders. Now, their idea was that these oppressed groups would come together and be the new revolutionary forces. Now, critical race theory took center stage, so to speak, because race was an evident area of oppression. One of the leaders of the Frankfurt School, Max Horkheimer, wrote this, a critical theorist must provide a presentation of social contradictions that serves as a force within it to stimulate change. In other words, since true racism is so inherently wrong, it, its social contradictions can be used as a powerful force for change. You know, been briefly said, no one wants to be labeled a racist. So therefore, critical race theory has become a paradigm or a worldview. For critical race theory, the only way to look at life in America is through the lens of racism. A leading spokesman for critical race theory is Ibram X. Kendi. His well-known book is called How to Be an Anti-Racist. It's like the Bible of critical race theory. Kendi maintains that, quote, there is no such thing as not racist. There is only anti-racist and racist. Claiming not to be racist is denial and is itself the heartbeat of racism. End quote. Another leading spokesperson for critical race theory is Robin DiAngelo. She's a professor and the author of the book White Fragility. She writes, quote, White people raised in Western society are conditioned into a white supremacist worldview because it is the bedrock of our society and its institutions. Later, she also writes, the socializing power of white supremacy cannot be avoided. The messages circulate 24-7 and have little or nothing to do with intentions, awareness, or agreement. End quote. In a nutshell, critical race theory's worldview is that all social institutions are constructed to keep the white oppressors in power, and if you are a non-white, the system is designed to keep you down. Therefore, what is needed then is a cultural and political revolution. 
critical race theory's proponents say only aggressive color conscious efforts to change the way things are will bring about an overthrow of the current social order identity politics became the means to recruit people of color to embrace their victimhood recognize their oppression and to advance the socialist revolution jean-philippe duranti summed up critical race theory's goals this way quote critical theory has always had an affinity with one political option namely socialism end quote the leaders of the well-known organization black lives matter openly stated we are trained marxists Kendi has declared, quote, to love capitalism is to end up loving racism, end quote. So therefore, since the economic system perpetuates racism, it must be overturned. So in summary, critical race theory looks at the world with a single fo focus, that the entire Western civilization is racist. According to D'Angelo, Seeing life this way, quote, is freeing because it allows us to focus on how rather than if racism is manifest. Well, this is the worldview of the critical race theory. For us as Christians, Jesus gives us an entirely different worldview and focus. Jesus calls us to seek first the kingdom of God to focus on loving God with all our hearts, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Critical race theories focus on race and seeing all people as either oppressors or victims is inevitably tremendously divisive. Jesus said in Mark 3.25, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Now Jesus in Luke 11 describes how people look at life. And this is a very interesting verse to consider as we consider the perspective of seeing life entirely through the lens of racism. So this is Luke 11, verse 34. Jesus says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good or or clear or single your whole body is filled with light but when it is bad your body is filled with darkness make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness in other words that's the end of verse 34 in other words how Jesus says here how we look at things gives us understanding if the way we see life is good and wise, then we'll be full of light. But if the way we see life is not good, we will be filled with darkness and deception. Jesus' conclusion is, make sure that the way you are looking at life does not lead you into darkness. Now, it seems that critical race theory's way of looking at life leads to division hopelessness and resentment let's consider the hopelessness of d'angelo's statement that quote the socializing power of white supremacy cannot be avoided 
The messages circulate 24-7 and have little or nothing to do with intentions, awareness, or agreement. So, according to this theory, according to critical race theory, no matter what a white person is aware of, no matter what a white person agrees with or disagrees with, no matter what a white person intends to do, they will always act with racism as white supremacist. Psychologist Dr. Jordan Peterson says, quote, there is nothing more racist than to place a crime on an entire ethnic group with no regard for the innocence of the individuals within the group, end quote. Well, Jesus showed us a whole different way of life. In his amazing interaction with the Samaritan woman, Jesus showed the power of individual choice. He loved her. He led her to salvation. He spent two days sharing with the whole Samaritan village. He chose to do this despite the Jews as a race, their intense hatred of Samaritans, and their refusal to have anything to do with them. Jesus showed the power of individual choice to love. And so, therefore, many Samaritans came to believe and said to the woman, Hey, now we believe not just because of what you told us, because we have heard Jesus ourselves. Now we know that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, all of us, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can choose to be like Jesus and love one another. We can, we can make those individual choices to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Critical race theory leaves white people hopeless, whereas the gospel of Jesus Christ gives hope of a transformed life through repentance and being born again by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ in us gives us hope. In contrast, critical race theory leaves people of color even also trapped. They're trapped in resentment and bitterness in their victimhood. Jesus taught us to pray, Father in heaven, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus goes on to warn us of the consequences of resentment and unforgiveness. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Hebrews 12 warns us that bitterness is contagious and it hurts those around us. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Work it living in peace with everyone. Verse 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Hebrews 12 goes on to remind us of the forgiveness found in Jesus in verse 24. You have come to Jesus to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance. So in conclusion, critical race theory's focus on racism results in 
blame, guilt, and hopelessness for white people. Victimhood, resentment, and bitterness for people of color. In contrast, the gospel of love and hope in Jesus Christ gives us grace and forgiveness and reconciliation. Let's close in prayer. Father, we acknowledge the, the problem of racism in our society, our civilization. And Lord, thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for showing us the way to just love one another. Thank you for, for telling us the, the golden rule to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. And so, Lord, I pray that your truth would prevail in the face of the, the craziness that's happening in our society regarding racism. I pray that the, the Spirit of the Lord would lift up your standard of love and grace and forgiveness. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We all have a great week. Uh, next week we'll continue to look at critical race theory and some of the more some of the other principles and, and ideas of it. So y'all have a great week. Look forward to sharing with you again next week. God bless.